0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Wild Wasteland. As always, I'm Dean Maldonado, and with me is the oddly Grecian Michael Johnson.
1: jeez I'm just so, oh, I'm sorry. I'm doing so good right now. It's just, I got my hairy chest. I got my fucking gold necklace on. Let's do this, baby.
0: You know what's bad is that I actually don't know what, like, a Grecian person is speaking English would actually sound like so. Come on,
1: it's like me. I'm Grecian guy.
0: I think I think you could be right.
1: I like this could be I only use car lot. Come on. Come down to Grecian <laughs> cars. We'll we'll grease you up and get you going. Oh my god, that's a
0: wonderful slogan. Did you just come up with that off the top of your head?
1: I'm Grecian. <laughs> what are you gonna say? <laughs> I love it. A lot of people invented philosophy.
0: Yeah, that's quite a feat, isn't it? They they convinced the entire world that that's a
1: profession. Yeah, they convinced the entire world that, that 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 was them.
0: Yeah, they're like, "Well, we have these great thinkers." Yeah. "Don't look at the little slave boys running around with their dicks out. We're just impressed by the size." <laughs> Something nice to look at while I'm eating my grapes.
1: Uh, put up that uh, that the fucking uh, statue again. Ah, the one with the small penis. Ah, good. Good, good, good. I feel much better.
0: Ah. Look at that! Look at that! What if that's why? Was that? What if that's why? Like, uh, Michelangelo's David has yeah. like such a small dick in proportion to his body. It's just like Michelangelo had a very like very small penis yeah. and just wanted to feel better about himself. So he's like, I'm gonna make the most beautiful man in the world. Yeah,
1: with a one inch penis. <laughs> how, about, how about if the model, the David, the model had like a huge hog went down to his uh, knees? He's just like, I'll, I'll history will remember this differently.
0: Yeah. He, he just like, he like, he he did a, he did an initial showing where he just like showed like an entire room of men and he just had this like giant, like eight inch anaconda, (laughs) this veiny (laughs) just came off and they're all like, something looks wrong with this statue. I, uh, you know, Mikey, you gotta, you gotta fix this a bit. Yeah. And he's like, well, I do have a second test audience coming in in a minute. It is a gaggle of women yeah and they're like well you should fix it before they see it right and uh so by the time they got in he was at like four inches and like didn't finish the tip and they're like is it ew ugh? Ugh. fix that dick and he's like well i'm gonna have to make it short they're like whatever you have to do his chest is fine
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) well uh look at those buns with grecian society it was actually um you um the uh penis was seen for the men not for the women did a bunch of, gaze- you know, you know he up. was
0: he was like very forward thinking. Yeah, he oh was, yeah, he was forward thinking to straight monogamy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he went from this he went from this free love mm-hmm. open concept of like massive orgies in the square mm-hmm. to like Puritan values. Well, we
1: need to just be like one man, one woman. That's all, that's all we need. Why why have all this fun? He who, Epicurus is over like
0: prophesizing about certain things and he's like the nuclear family. It will be 1.5 children and they're like okay. What are we all pulling a Solomon here and and cutting babies in half now? <laughs> Can't listen to this guy. Yeah, he said new
1: clear that doesn't even make sense.
0: Yeah Why would it have to be new if it's already clear? Yeah
1: makes no sense like what water hat Well have you ever seen Roman statues? Uh, Probably they uh, there's a
0: lot of statues from a lot of different places, man.
1: Roman statues are like Grecian statues, where it's like a naked guy, but all the Roman ones have huge dicks, and they're all erect. That's why. So know. like, so like when
0: when when the uh, when the Inquisition went through Greece and they were bashing off the heads and arms of statues of gods, yeah. they get to Rome, and they were like. Just chop the boners off. so <laughs> all we need. And they, they grind it down so yeah. no one knows. I don't want like, anyone in history to on. ever note this
1: happened. <laughs> come on. We're Spanish. We can't, uh, they can't outdo our wieners.
0: <laughs> we are the greatest lovers. Come on. Come on, baby.
1: I am puss in boots. <laughs> and I have mustache. And I have a huge wiener. Come on. <laughs> Look at it. It's great. <laughs> I make love to your woman.
0: That's so rude. That's, that's just a rude thing to do, man. But I'll tell you, I was, uh, I was, I was in Dublin, and I, I was, oh, yeah. I shared a room. I was in a six-person, uh, hostel, bedroom with yeah. five like twenty-seven to thirty-two-year-old Spanish men, and oh. like. They walk around just crotch first and everything follows. Yeah. It's it's a weird way to walk, and I'm sure, like, the way that our old people, like, hunch forward, (laughs) like, their old people, like, hunch back.
1: (laughs) Their fucking uh, walkers are behind them. Yeah, yeah.
0: They have this weird stroller, (laughs) and, like, it's almost like how we have that, like, tricycle for if you break your knee, Mm -hmm. but it's the opposite.
1: Yeah, for their wiener. Yeah. In case they break their wiener. In
0: case they break their wiener. You're so right about that. (laughs) Um
1: So where is the WAP? I've heard about the WAP. Where is the WAP? I've read the lyrics. I need to see the video. Where is these whores in this house? These whores. I need to. Oh, I'm having a heart attack. My my penis is it all my blood. They just fucking. What, what was that
0: what Was that called they put a tourniquet around it
1: <laughs> to it turns the blood. It, it, it
0: anthropomorphizes into a new person because it like grows a brain because it keeps the blood for that long finally everyone's like wow it really is men's second brain huh well I guess. Now, now it's scientifically proven
1: well there's aliens on venus and now there's uh, there's wiener there's brains in the wieners <laughs> Why not? Right? Twenty twenty is a crazy year. It really is. It really, (laughs) really
0: is. What? I mean, I don't know if it's if it's much crazier than any other year. I think it's just that everyone's been locked in their house for so long that we're actually looking at shit that's not humans being idiots all the time. Yeah. You know? Did you hear about that? The Venus thing? I I did. Yeah. I haven't. I haven't heard about one Floridian man. Uh you know, attacking a local alligator in, yeah. in well over a year. So, I mean... I think it's because the whole country
1: turned into Florida men. Could be.
0: There's actually... Uh, I really do want to promote this documentary. It's on Netflix. Uh-oh. Uh, Are they paying you? No, but it's called The Social Dilemma. Uh, it's It's basically... A uh, continuation of that book that I told you about a few months ago mm-hmm. by uh, Jaron Lanier, "The Ten Arguments for Deleting All of Your Social Media Right Now." Yeah, uh, and it it does a good job of portraying the the reality of what is changing in human brains and the way that we interact with each other uh, because of social media on our phones. Right, and like that specifically is such like a toxic. Toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, Definitely check it out because then you don't have to read a book. You know, you can skip over reading an 85-page book. There you go. Or you can read the book and watch the movie. I don't give a fuck. No, no, no,
1: no, no. Come on. Do one. uh, Mostly Americans listen to this.
0: (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, like definitely watch that documentary. It's very, very good. And I think it'll uh, have you open your eyes as to
1: how you perceive the world through your phone. Nice. Um, But... Well, if to add on to what you just said about the whole brain thing, uh, Elon Musk just released uh, his uh, brain thing. Yeah, yeah,
0: his Neuralink.
1: Yeah. Did you watch the uh, when the he, pig? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm I'm first in line, dude. You're first in line. No, fuck that. let say I, <laughs> I want to be
0: like tenth generation. I want I want to have like the one that they just put on your neck, and it automatically like does like a syringe into a specific <laughs> spot. That I can't feel because they worked with mosquitoes for long enough to uh. like figure out that invisible stick. And then you just have like a huge lump in the back of your neck your whole life. No, it's just like a little like a uh, like a little chicklet that you stick on this. It's like a little sticker. Yeah. And you just keep it on the side of your n- neck or something. And then I would just get like a like a big tattoo right there and put a googly <laughs> eye on it and have like a cyclops that like constantly is like whoa. <laughs> And I would never get a job in an office again.
1: Yeah, no, because you and I could just record the podcast like this. Yeah, and
0: I would have a neck tattoo. I hope I could keep the job on the podcast with (laughs) a neck tattoo. Neck tattoos ruin your future. So do face tattoos.
1: (sighs) Tell that to Mike Tyson. He's back, baby. He's back. Listen, you can't.
0: You can't tell that to Mike Tyson. He's back, baby. His right hook has been described as putting... A, two phone books next to your head and having a professional baseball player hit it with a bat. Yeah. You can't tell that motherfucker anything. I'm sure he barely knows he has a lisp.
1: No one ever told me I got a lisp. It wasn't until I started watching my recordings. It's my, like, ca- I love my cartoon, but what the fuck am I saying? <laughs> and why the fuck am I talking to a pigeon? <laughs> <laughs> they told me Noah McDonald was going to be just Noah McDonald. Yeah. Yeah
0: <laughs> I don't know why that's Mike
1: Tyson, but it is. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> running out in the middle of the ring.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I I think you're Mike Tyson's hit, um fucking hype man. I think yeah, I am Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's Mike Tyson. <laughs> Just from the corner. You do it, you do it, I am Mike.
0: I'm like I'm like uh I'm like Rob Schneider in the Waterboy. <laughs>
1: you're like flavor flav. You can do it! You got him! Cut his fucking head off! Bite his ear!
0: Yeah, I'm the guy that told Flava Flav that he should have uh, the flavor of love for seven seasons. Yeah, he's still looking. I know. He can't really find that right spice of love, I guess. (laughs) I don't know what kind of flavor he's looking for at this point, but. I think I know. I think so too. Rich, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Someone, to, someone to pay his debts. Someone with a bigger gold chain than him. He doesn't. He doesn't want to to be the next MC Hammer and have to sell his gold pants. Uh, so why don't we actually talk about what we're talking about today? Yeah. Uh, so I was um going around the nation. And oh, I drove with my brother and his puppy from Chicago out to Rapid City, South Dakota. Yeah. Where it's uh it's, it's right next to uh, Mount Rushmore. Oh, cool.
1: Yeah. Why well, would you start in Chicago? We're in the middle of the desert.
0: I know, but you have Did to you... start from somewhere major. Otherwise, where the fuck are you going to rent a car? That's a good point. It's reliable. And we can't rent any cars here in the desert. No. Because there's no... Where's the nearest Avis? I'm still part of the Emerald Club, but there's no Enterprise in like 1,700 miles. Yeah. So, We have whatever. to go to Mexico.
1: Yeah. Maybe. They might be closest. So, how was Mount Rushmore? Was it as cool as all the pictures make it look like? Uh,
0: No, I mean, like it looks cooler in National Treasure (laughs) than it does anywhere else because they actually go on like the presidential walking path. I like South by Southwest. Uh, but so saw that stayed in this haunted hotel called the Hotel Alex Johnson in Rapid City, uh, that was used by Hitchcock in South by Southwest.
1: Oh. Or was it North by Northwest? It's probably North by Northwest. I don't think it was South. Southwest is the fucking uh, music. South thing. by Southwest is yeah, it's it's, it's yeah, it's the music. <laughs> North and, by Northwest is the fucking movie. Yeah, maybe. I don't but, know. Something about
0: birds. Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's birds. It's
0: a very it's a very haunted place. Um, some Did you woman, see any ghosts? No, but they do sell a spectral pack that I think you and I should go do, where we go and we stay. In one of the haunted rooms, and they give you like a one of like the energy readers, and yeah. like you also get a a dinner. It's kind of nice.
1: Oh. it'd be nice and romantic. You uh, and me, just like just just getting dinner?
0: pedicures and manicures and doing nice. some facials and pearl necklaces, whatever you want. Yeah, uh, there so- seems to be
1: ectoplasm all <laughs> over my neck. Don't tell my wife,
0: Randy. What happened in here? There's, there's,
1: there's ghosts. Ghosts. There's ghosts. There's ectoplasm. Ghosts everywhere. <laughs>
0: What a wonderful episode. Uh, so Rapid City is called the presidential city. Wow. And on Why? every single street corner there is a life like two scale replica bronze like of a bronze president? statue of a president. Of different presidents.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: And I'm going around and it's it's fun, you know, like Ronald Reagan's in his cowboy outfit. Oh Ronald. Uh George H. W uh was like dumb when he was still skinny. Um, <laughs> Gerald Ford. He's not in
1: the fucking wheelchair. Like, oh. <laughs> no, he's, he's like oh, thin and like
0: standing next to a globe. Oh. Um, Gerald Ford has his dog with him. Jimmy Carter's giving you a good wave.
1: Oh, he should have been in a peanut. And tree. then Richard Nixon
0: oh. is just. Plodding in a chair (laughs) with his fucking fingers all tented, and he's like slouched down. It's wonderful. I don't know why they did that.
1: Because he's evil. He's the most evil president we've ever had. Yeah, I guess so. I I guess so. Is Trump uh, there yet, or Obama? Mm, Not that I saw. You Um, have to be dead to be. I doubt it. But like, I
0: also, I also walk I, I didn't walk around the whole city i just walked around like the the few blocks around mm. uh, the hotel so i didn't see all of them but Ugh. but uh it was pretty cool because inside the hotel it was so it was so old and actually it was built by a guy in chicago in like a chicago style which wow. was pretty, pretty
1: dope so it's like this much marinara yeah yeah the- it's real thick <laughs> um it bakes for
0: 45 minutes yum order an appetizer but so <laughs> and uh, a salad They had a picture in there of the day that they unveiled uh, the first face on Mount Rushmore uh, when they unveiled Washington's face. Oh, okay. And it's really fucking funny because there's this, it's a black and white photo and there's a huge crowd just like standing around where you can go to, which is like Mm -hmm. the overlook. And there's just like this big drape down over the face And then I guess they just dropped the veil.
1: And just killed like,
0: And everyone was like, oh yeah.
1: Oh, there's a face there now.
0: (laughs) Cool. And they walked their ass down the (laughs) mountain and back like the 40 fucking miles to town. Well, that was worth it. While carrying their massive cameras and everything. This is insane. But it got me thinking that like, there, you know, there aren't that many notable women that I've ever heard of, in history. Oh right, especially American history.
1: Yeah,
0: because uh, like you know, can we gloss over him? We really gloss over him, and so it got me. It got me searching because we. I've talked about this before, but I really fucking hate the story of Sybil Ludington. Right. uh because it, it, it isn't real. It's not fucking real. It's not what? real at all. What? No.
1: Sybil isn't real.
0: No. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Sybil Ludington uh was born in Kent, New York in seventeen sixty one and supposedly when she was sixteen years old um in seventeen seventy seven, she made an all night horseback ride through the countryside in the pouring rain, uh to alert the militiamen in the area that British forces were attacking Danbury, Connecticut. Yeah. Uh they she she rode Around 40 miles.
1: Wow, that's a lot back then. That's a fuck ton. Yeah.
0: Uh, as fast as she could on her on her horse, Star, and woke up around 400 soldiers, and they were too late to get to Danbury, but they were able to push uh, the British forces back to Long Island. Just like a woman to be late. And, you know, George Washington came and thanked her personally. Thank you so much for riding 40 miles. Even though you didn't save Danbury, you really helped out the fight. You really helped somehow. Now, you gotta compare this to what most people know, which is Paul Revere's Midnight Ride, because right. Sybil Luddington is called the female Paul Revere. What? Yeah, that's crazy. Even though Paul Revere, first on first first and foremost, he was always riding his horse. That's what he yeah. did for. The U.S. He, he carried messages. He was a courier of messages mm-hmm. for the war. He would go across battle lines. That's actually what got him captured at gunpoint and eventually killed was relaying
1: messages to
0: different people. Uh, he, his ride.
1: Yeah. He actually died uh, delivering junk mail. The last one. It was a. Uh, it was a. If you want to renew your car insurance. Oh really? Yeah, and like the a- guy
0: like opened the door with his shotgun and was like unsubscribe. <laughs> Boom. <sighs> His, uh, his his blunderbuss. <laughs> well,
1: that was the shocking at the time. And also, did you know that he, that he didn't say the British were coming because they were British? The, he was saying the Minutemen were coming. False. I was actually about to tell
0: you that he warned that the regulars, regulars are. He coming, He said the right? regulars are coming
1: out. Because, Reg, yeah. Regular ev- meaning uh, the cup at the time. Uh, the no, meaning the regular cup. army. Oh. which oh. is oh.
0: is the it's the the regular army would be the 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 regulated army of the country which Britain. is the british right soldiers yeah so the regulars is what they call
1: them and what were we the irregulars
0: <laughs> the rebels oh the the pioneers uh, whatever they wanted to call themselves uh americans but what he did is he rode around 12 and a half miles alerting people that the regulars were coming out and then those people got on horseback and went to different places and told different people. So by the end of the night, there were around 40 different people yeah. relaying that message, and it woke everyone up. Takes a village. And his horse, this this nerd on the internet, broke down. I'm sure it was for some like, senior thesis or some bullshit. But he broke down how fast Paul Revere rode that mm-hmm. night based on the timing that he states in these letters that he wrote. Uh, and that other people wrote about Like, when they got the message from him. Yeah. And so he was riding around 15 miles an hour. Wow. Which, oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, Sorry, around 12 and a half miles an hour. Oh, okay. Because his horse at full gallop could go around 15. Wow. Now, compare that to Sybil, right, right? Uh she was riding through the countryside, so mm-hmm. was not through well-done roads like he was, so right. she couldn't go that fast. So eight miles per hour, probably. She's, it's also the middle of the night, and it's pouring rain, but she had to go fast, and supposedly she used a long stick to like keep prodding her horse forward and also reaching out and like smacking doors. Uh, oh? Yeah. <laughs> she like, was right that close?
1: I guess. That would fucking trip up the horse if there was a, a, a stoop. Right, it'd be one dead horse.
0: Well, so I figured that you know she could have ran an average of like twelve miles an hour, right? Because if there were some open parts of the countryside, she could just like gun it. Yeah, which would have taken it would have taken like three and a half hours. It's a long in the middle of the night in the pouring rain. It's long for a horse to be riding. It's also long for what in 1777 probably was not a very thick woman. At at sixteen years old, most oh. women I think were around like seventy five to eighty five pounds. It were fucking tiny. Yeah, pneumonia. Pneumonia, yeah. right? Dead. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Three and a half hours out in the cold. Geesh. And it was April.
1: Oh my god, cold. So she had like a lot of blankets on her.
0: April in New York, in like the countryside of New York. That's not uh, warm. So either where way, all the hills are. Uh, the the reason that it's that it's questioned besides the sheer grand like grandiosity of the quote unquote facts of it yeah is that it wasn't ever mentioned until a local historian this woman martha lamb wrote about sybil luddington's ride in a book in 1880 oh (laughs) so 103 years later was the first time that anyone ever mentioned this
1: interesting
0: even though george washington supposedly came and thanked her personally
1: yeah no i found out something very similar to this uh recently paul yeah. abdul wasn't in a plane crash in 1993 she claims that she was really yeah she never brought it up until like 2004 wow and uh, yeah she's just lying about it what she just wanted like some kind of like Help as a victim, or something? people think that she was addicted to painkillers at the time, and this is just like a oh. way of her like skirting around why she was in the hospital for like gotcha. a few weeks. Um, but so so not only was it
0: uh a hundred and three years after the event took place, yeah, it was also forty one years after Sybil died, because <laughs> she died at seventy seven years old. Oh, okay, so. In the sixty-one extra years that she lived, no one ever wrote about this miraculous thing. She never, she never 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 told anyone. It was never a big deal or anything. It it seems very fishy, and smells fishy. The thing is that, like, yeah, right, Kent, New York, fishy. Historians that agree that it's false, they're like, whatever, keep it
1: around because it's a good story for women. This is what happened to Christopher Columbus. Mm, That's well, a fake story that people just kept around for a while. Yeah. I mean, if you read the
0: letters, <laughs> Christopher Columbus came back multiple times, <laughs> and uh, each time he got more and more crazy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but- like, This is a fucking war criminal. We yeah. should not be celebrating him. Oh, yeah. So this Sybil, you know, they, they did they have statues of her? They have a statue of her, yeah. Take it down. Take down that statue.
0: Well- I just think it's bullshit that they're like, you know what, whatever, it's a great story for women. It's like, fuck you, dude. There's so many great stories of women in history. And you
1: just don't hear about those. I
0: want to tell you about three women today.
1: Okay, so you're going to tell everyone about these women. I think I will. That's Uh, what what women need is a man telling them about women.
0: Hey, man, if if you've never heard of them, you're welcome. I'm not trying to mansplain anything to you. Go do go do more research. I don't Are give you, a shit. You're you know?
1: manspreading right now on the podcast. Hell yeah.
0: So we're gonna focus on someone that I mentioned, I think last episode. Yeah. Vulcana. Ooh. Now she was a 1900s strong woman.
1: Right, from the planet Vulcan. She's a Vulcan.
0: No, nah, that was her that was her stage name. But uh I also want to mention that she she had rivals like this woman, Athleta the Great. Uh And they actually, they they went, they, Athleta challenged her to like a feat of strength contest in this theater. Mm. And Athleta tried to pick this weight up for like 25 minutes and she couldn't do it. It was like their challenge weight. (laughs) And, uh, Volcana walked over and just fucking picked it up, put it over over her head with one arm. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. No, Volcana, her, her real name was Miriam Kate Williams. She was a Welsh, uh, strong woman with Irish parents. Her dad was a preacher. She started out by working at a tannery, which is where they tan hides.
1: Oh, a tannery is where they tan stuff. hmm
0: And uh, she met this man, William Roberts, at the local women's gym, because he ran a chain of women's gyms. Well, uh,
1: so he was a modern-day creep. Yeah,
0: basically. Yeah. He was a modern-day douchebag. <laughs> because, yeah, I got all uh, these
1: broads coming and fucking working out, and I just talked to them. Well, yeah, I mean,
0: she was 15 at the time, and they <laughs> fell in love immediately. God, how old was he? Uh, They don't. They never say because he uh, had a wife and some children, and then left.
1: (laughs) He just left them. All your stories involve like a a man with child with a wife and child just leaving them for another woman.
0: Yeah, a lot of them do. Yeah, yeah. Men are pretty much shit across history. Uh, (laughs) he he left to travel to travel with Volcana or Kate and uh. They performed together for the rest of their lives. He went as Atlas, and she was Volcana, and they were billed as brother-sister because she was so much younger than him. Um, so and that they I'm... they never got legally married, but they did have six kids together. Oh. Uh, and I'll tell you about those, the kids. It's, it's pretty fucking dope. But so, yeah, Roberts actually, so Atlas was a, a huge piece of shit, mm-hmm. uh, and he was a showman. And so he got called out all the time for exaggerating how much he could pick up. And then, like, there would be shows that he was doing where he would, like, pick up a really, like, insanely heavy weight. And someone would, like, come on the stage and, like, kick it over. And it would be, like, made of foam or something like that, you know?
1: That's what I was thinking about with the thing that you said. Like, that woman that couldn't lift something up. And then, like, Volcano just comes over and lifts it up with one hand. How about if there was a magnet underneath the stage just holding it down?
0: That'd be dope but that'd be really hard to do in, like, 1906.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying that it makes sense. It's not the illusionist, man. It's
0: not the illusionist.
1: Well, I'm not saying that Volcana had clones of herself. I'm just saying maybe (laughs) she knew Tesla. Maybe. (laughs) But this didn't just hurt his own
0: reputation. It obviously hurt her reputation because she was always with him. But You got to watch out who you
1: produce things with. I tell you, Dean.
0: Yeah, but the thing is that Volcana was actually dope and authenticated had like authenticated feats of strength. Yeah. Uh her best authenticated feats was uh one of them was the bent press with her right hand, which is where you have a I think it's a a weight like over your shoulder kind of with your elbow bent and then you press it straight up. Okay. So like a backwards um deadlift. Kinda, yeah. She uh with her right hand could uh was authenticated of at least a 124.5 pounds
1: that's pretty that's pretty fucking crazy and
0: there were some uh authorities around 1910 when she was really in her prime that said that she could get it should get could do it with 145 pounds
1: you don't want to go straight though that's uh that's how you how you break up cartilage she, yeah. al-
0: she also could from the ground in either hand to overhead lift uh 56 pounds in either hand. Okay. With her arms straight out.
1: Pretty impressive.
0: Uh one time she freed a wagon, a full wagon that had uh that was stuck in Covent Garden cuz she just went over and lifted it with her bare hands.
1: People were stronger back then. They, uh, a lot of people say that um Abraham Lincoln also fucking crazy strongly. He would just uh he would he would be able to just pull like logs through town. Yeah. Just like I just got a
0: log here. <laughs> just like I mean, he was also like a giant.
1: Yeah, he was he was also like six foot six back when everyone was like four foot two. <laughs>
0: right?
1: He was, I would be a giant.
0: <laughs> you would be. You would be you would be a you would be a average to above average. I would, height I would man. be a
1: giant back good, then. Good on you.
0: Uh when she was thirteen years old, she actually stopped a runaway horse by herself. By, like, grabbing the reins and, like, pulling it down. <laughs> what? She, t- she fucking took out a horse? Yeah. Well, she stopped it from running away. That That's was crazy. Dope. It was, like, covered in the newspapers because uh, she was 13. Oh, my God. When she was 15 – oh, no, sorry. Sorry, In 1901. So yeah. this is – she had been performing a little bit by this point. Uh She actually dove into the river Usk, which is in Europe, Russian. obviously. Oh, Uh Musk. And rescued two children that were drowning. What? She's like a fucking superhero, dude. Uh, in nineteen 19- ten, the reason that we brought her up okay. is that she was the first person to uh, tell Scotland Yard that Cora Crippen was missing.
1: Okay, remember? Cor- oh, right. The woman
0: who was killed by her husband, and then yeah. they went on that great fucking right, escape right, right,
1: that we brought up last episode. Mm-hmm.
0: Um. And then actually, when the Society of Athletes were doing a performance in uh, 1921, the theater they were performing in in Edinburgh caught on fire. And, and she, she
1: lifted the fire above the building and threw it into the, into the lake.
0: No, but she sustained pretty serious burns on her head and hands by, uh, like, she went back in and physically freed a different performer's horse that was stuck inside.
1: She's, never never she's go back dope. into a fire.
0: Uh, so she and Atlas finally retired in 1932, and they lived in London permanently. And then 1939, she was hit by a car. And the car broke. And suffered a brain injury. Oh, that sucks. She was pronounced dead while she was conscious. <laughs> she could remember them pronouncing her dead.
1: <laughs> this is, I don't know if this says more about like a beefy person and just like, you know, Uh, he's brain dead or it says something about the 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 medical stuff in 1939
0: could be the med staff yeah yeah (laughs) but she ended up dying in uh august of 1946 what after uh after a few months after atlas and her youngest daughter died um oh she she died of a broken heart their their six kids were william hedley augustus arthur nora and mona uh, and she actually, while performing, was having these kids and refused to let anyone else besides her take care of them. She wouldn't give them up. People were like, oh, send them to an orphanage, send them to your relatives. She was like, fuck that. They're all mine.
1: So she they so they're buried with her? No. Oh.
0: No, she actually trained all of them and they all became part of the Society of Athletes, which was like this like major, like uh, almost like circus that would do these crazy athletic stunts. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and because of that, when she and Atlas toured Australia, there is a Volcana Circus School in Australia. Nice. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, so she lived for seven years after being pronounced dead? Yeah. How does that, how does she that had work? A, she
0: had a traumatic brain injury from getting struck by that car, but she recovered. But she like... They like pronounced her dead. But she, she was in a vegetative kind of coma.
1: Oh. Well, she, she remembered it. She came out of it. Weird. And she was fine mentally, or like was she no, a little she bit was, slow after she that? She was slow. Was, she like couldn't uh, really walk. That sucks.
0: Yeah. And she got hit by a car. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. A
1: 1939 car. Oh, God. Those are all metal back then. Right? No no guff.
0: No. No, no, no.
1: <laughs> Just like getting hit by a brick wall. But so Volcano was
0: fucking dope. But I think each woman on this list gets more badass, right? Oh, right. Progressively,
1: she's so ass assier.
0: We have a person who's known by their pen name. Uh, She's known as Nellie Bly, but she was born Elizabeth Jane Cochran in 1864 in a suburb of Pittsburgh. Nice. Uh, Her father, classic dad of the mid-1800s, two wives over the course of his life. Nice. Ten kids with the first wife, five kids with the second
1: Got to repopulate this country, baby. You know
0: some of them are going to die.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what <laughs> happens.
0: Yep. Uh, Elizabeth was born to the second wife, and as a child, she loved to wear pink, so she had this nickname, Pinky. When she Smart. Be- right? Clever. When she was a teenager, she wanted to become more sophisticated, so she dropped the, uh, the nickname and started using her father's last name more. The brain. Because her father- he was pretty involved in like local politics. Like the, the area they lived in was named after him. Wow. Yeah. It's like Cochran's mill, Cochran's mills or something like that. Uh, but in 1879, she went to the Indiana normal school, which is now Indiana university of Pennsylvania where you become a normal. It's, it's a college. Oh yeah. Uh, but she dropped out after one semester cause she didn't have any money. That's what happened to me. Now, in 1880, because she and her uh, mother moved to Pittsburgh, she saw a newspaper column in the Pittsburgh Dispatch that was entitled, What Girls Are Good For? Uh, And it (laughs) reported that girls were principally for birthing children and keeping the house. Uh, Normal. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Uh, Elizabeth read this and was like, nah fuck this guy
1: everything is wrong men should be giving birth
0: and so she wrote this scathing response under a pen name of little orphan girl (laughs) and it was so well written that the editor of the pittsburgh dispatch started putting out advertisements saying whoever this little orphan girl is please i need to meet you i like i want you to work for me yeah so she eventually goes and introduces herself and he's like hmm I don't know. I want a little orphan girl, not a woman. I didn't think that you'd be it. So he was like, write another article under the same name. And then if it matches and you know it is you, I'll hire you. So she wrote another article as a little orphan girl that was entitled The Girl Puzzle. Mm-hmm. And it was talking about how divorce affects women of wow. the time. And she also argued and lobbied a lot for reforming the divorce laws in favor of women because they're incredibly restrictive and basically gave men, yeah, uh, the ability to have to like keep women as property.
1: You're like, oh no, I don't feel like having a divorce today.
0: Yeah, let's. We'll get divorced in seven months. Yes, we'll we'll circle
1: back to this. I'll, yeah, I'll pencil you in.
0: So, it was definitely her Div- and the. Uh, <laughs> The editor offered her a full-time job and then gave her the nickname Nellie Bly. Oh. Which is, uh, a, uh, it was a popular song at the time by Stephen Foster. Oh. Um, and so Elizabeth Cochran effectively lived under the pseudonym Nellie Bly for the rest of her life. Um, she started writing at the Pittsburgh Dispatch as an investigative journalist. And this was unheard of at the time. There was no investigative journalism. She's a PI. She went into... These women-only factories in Pittsburgh, and were interviewing the workers about like their their life, their work life, their social life, and was doing pieces about basically how poorly these women were treated. Yeah. And so the companies obviously got pissed off and
1: uh, sent in the union breakers.
0: No, they were like they they reached out to the Pittsburgh Dispatch and was like, hey, you can't be printing this shit about our company, otherwise we're gonna you know yeah. pull all of our funding, all of our ads, all that shit. So, the editor, obviously, Chump. Yep. He was like,
1: Oh, God. Duh, we gotta we keep to, the money. We
0: gotta fix this. So fire he, the women. No, he didn't fire her. He put her on, he reassigned her to what's classically known as the women's pages, uh, which is uh,
1: fashion,
0: about society, and like gardening puff pieces. Uh, and so Nellie was like, Hmm.
1: Conformities for men. She was like, Yeah,
0: fuck this shit. Uh, She said, I am determined to do something no girl has done before. So she literally just packed up her shit and went to Mexico when she was 21 years old.
1: Makes sense to me. Not a a single woman
0: has ever done that. She lived in Mexico for half a year as a foreign correspondent for the Pittsburgh Dispatch, reporting on the lives and customs of Mexican people, which the paper then would, after it published all of it, publish a book form of it called uh, Six Months in Mexico. Which was one of the first times that an American journalist ever was a foreign correspondent. Oh, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh, in one of the articles, she actually protested that this local journalist was imprisoned for writing negative, review, negative articles about the, uh, the local dictator.
1: Yeah. No, he was there until, uh, what, 1920?
0: Yeah, something like that. Uh, and obviously, the dictator found Nellie Bly's articles- uh, reprimanding him yeah and so she had to flee the country
1: <laughs> yeah because uh he's not gonna tell her to go right for like makeup and fashion no he's he, just gonna kill her yeah yeah he's just
0: gonna... he would just he would just kill her
1: or send her to bird shit island <laughs> so she
0: flees mexico and goes back to pittsburgh where they were like wow that was some great journalism good job nelly But there's a backlog of theater that we need reviews for. (laughs) And I think there's a new fashion line coming out soon. So can you get on that? I hate you. (laughs) Yeah. She was like, fuck this, dude. And she quit. Yeah. Uh, She quit in 1887 and became penniless after about four months uh, because she made her way to New York City. Wow, that. Alicia Alive. Where. Big city. Somehow she found a way into getting uh, a meeting with Joseph Pulitzer the man who ran New York World and the Pulitzer Prize is named after No get the
1: fuck out of here
0: Uh and she actually was hired by Joseph Pulitzer for she was hired by the New York World yeah to be to do an undercover journalistic report on the uh on these reports of brutality and neglect at the women's lunatic asylum on Blackwell Island <laughs> which is part of Long Island Yeah uh, so she feigned insanity. Oh. And what she did is she checked herself into a boarding house that was called like temporary homes for females. And she yeah. stayed up all day and all night to give herself like the baggy eyes and like that wild eyed look. Yeah. Uh, and she told an assistant there, she goes, there, there are so many crazy people about, it and no one can tell them what they'll do. And they were like, all right, this woman's nuts. And so they're like, you should just go to sleep. She refused to go to bed. She was, like, screaming about crazy shit. And so they called the police, who then dragged her to the courthouse. And they uh, immediately were like, all right, she's a crazy fucking batshit woman. Send her to the woman's lunatic asylum.
1: And also these theater reports haven't been done yet. And there's a new fashion line coming <laughs> she out. She has a backlog of work. <laughs>
0: uh, so they committed her. And once inside the asylum, Nellie experienced the deplorable treatment firsthand. Yeah. So, because they just kind of did a psychiatric hold on her, uh, she was only in there for 10 days. Oh. And then she was allowed to leave because she was able to prove her sanity,
1: obviously. Did a man make sure that she was able to walk out the door? Duh. Oh, okay. He was the
0: one checking her sanity. <laughs> I'm sure he checked between her legs.
1: We have to check your sanity. Open your, show me your pussy.
0: Yeah, he's like, I think that's where the sanity lies. And that- this... Weird thing called a uh, J spot, I think. Yeah, I've heard of spot. The J spot.
1: Uh, it looks like a J. It hangs down like a penis, but it looks like a J. <laughs> <laughs> so she goes back
0: to the New York world and writes a two part series on her experience there, which is actually seen as the precursor of investigative journalism and a huge part in bringing about what's called new journalism, where people do what's called stunt or detective reporting, where they actually, you know, Go out and find new facts.
1: Yeah, like what you, with what you're doing here.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, now, if that wasn't enough, there's more. There's more. Oh my god, Nellie Bly is fucking sick. Uh, in 1888.
1: Yeah, 1888. Like what? Civil War? Nah, it was like that ended
0: in like 74, 75, didn't it?
1: You're probably right.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not civil war, but it's. it's Pretty recently, after it's when she uh, she was working. It was after the asylum piece, yeah. And she's working at New York World, and she like looks at her editor and she's like, "You know, I read this book. Oh God, called Around the World in 80 Days." All right. Uh, I think I can do it.
1: She's got that look in her eye again. You're you're going to the insane asylum again.
0: And so the fucking editor was like, "Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it." So one year later. After she was like, I want to do this.
1: Yeah, she made a with plan. With
0: two days' notice. Okay. They gave her two days' notice, and she left from Hoboken, New Jersey, with only like the dress on her back, uh, some underwear in a bag, like some toiletries, and about like 200
1: bucks. I yeah, that's say. what you needed in 1890.
0: And uh, so she left on November 14th, 1889, oh, okay. on a steamer ship. At the start of her journey She used steamships and uh, trains Mostly through Europe And then when she got back to the US She ended up chartering a flight Oh okay Uh, But to keep up like interest In this story while she was gone A second reporter from a rival newspaper Named Elizabeth Bisland Oh another woman Was like I'm going to beat Nelly Uh oh Around the world Oh (laughs) I'm going to beat her to death she was like, I'm going to go the opposite direction. What? So Nellie left from Hoboken. She left from, I want to say either San Francisco or L.A. Okay. And uh, Nellie, you know, it's 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 1889. It's like 1890 at this point. She had no clue that Bislin was doing this.
1: And she didn't get a tweet about it?
0: No. It wasn't until she got to Hong Kong that she found out that this woman was, like, trying to beat her around the world. And she was like, oh. She responded. She goes, oh, I I would not race. Uh, if someone else wants to do the trip in less time, that is their concern. Yeah. she had, su- she had such a dope trip. She like went through all these crazy uh, places like the Suez Canal, uh, a British colony in Malaysia, Singapore, Japan, Hong Kong. She stopped at a leper colony in China,
1: the <laughs> way they had lepers in 1890. 19- yeah. Wow. I didn't uh, know that at all. she, uh, she bought a pet monkey. That's cool. You can still do that up until like nineteen sixty in America,
0: and then they uh, to keep interest again. They started the Nellie Bly guessing match.
1: Oh, like where is she at now?
0: When no? When will she get back down to like the second?
1: Oh, geez. Um, now gambling
0: because she spent some time with the lepers and the monkey. She was two days behind schedule, which is why she chartered a flight from San Francisco to New York City. When she got back, and she arrived back in New Jersey. On January 25th, 1890, she completed the trip in just over 72 days, Wow! which was the world record. She set the world record by beating the book's fictional trip by eight days. She also beat Bisland by four days because Bisland was uh, also behind schedule and sadly, instead of getting on the fastest steamship in the world. Mm-hmm. She missed that and had to get on like one of the oldest and slowest. Oh, what a fool. Yes, yeah, so across in the Atlantic slowed her down.
1: How many times did she see leopards and um and monkeys? Zero, I'm sure.
0: She was just fucking oh. gunning it, dude. She was like, she was Jason borning it through <laughs> through most of Russia. And they're like, who is that crazy woman? Let's kill her. So So five years after Nelly gets back she actually she marries a millionaire manufacturer oh. named uh, Robert Seaman when she was 31 years old and he was 73.
1: Uh, the inventor of the Seaman.
0: False. He actually uh, was the head of Ironclad Manufacturing Company, which uh, created steel containers for, like, milk cans and boilers. And when she took over after he died in 1904 they began ma- manufacturing the steel barrel oh. which is the model for the modern day 55 gallon oil drum
1: wow mhm
0: uh she actually held a few patents for different things that they made like stacking garbage cans the the old ones that like oscar lives in mhm because those were able to stack based on their bottom uh but sadly she She knew how to write. She knew how to do a lot of great things. She didn't know how to run a business. She didn't really know that much about math.
1: That's what happens when you're a journalist.
0: And so a lot of the people who were at the company for a long time under her husband just started embezzling a ton of money. Yeah. uh, And the company went under.
1: And so. Weird, because she was an investigative journalist. You'd imagine that you'd be good at investigating Embezzle them? I I
0: guess, but if you don't know
1: what to look for, how can you investigate it? It's like, wait, twenty thousand dollars for
0: manicures?
1: <laughs> Who did this? Uh, so once the
0: company went broke, she uh, she still had a good amount of money. Yeah, and so she went back to being a journalist, and actually was the first woman and only of the uh, like Western foreigners to visit. A war, the World War I war zone She went uh, to Austria and Serbia wow. As a uh, As a foreign correspondent And ended up getting arrested Because she was mistaken for a British spy
1: Oh yeah But well, she's American Yeah she was an American journalist
0: She got, she got released um, She covered the 1913 women's suffrage pr- uh, Procession Under the headlines Suffragists are men's superiors Oh damn yeah, she was a badass. Uh sadly she died at fifty seven years old uh in nineteen twenty
1: two. Oh, R.I.P.
0: But finally oh. we have the person who I believe is the most interesting woman on this list.
1: Yeah. Well your list.
0: Uh, I mean this I, this I have this, my own list of women. This first episode. Uh this like she's the reason that I s that I found half of these people is because I was looking into this woman. Her name is Victoria Woodhull. You may have heard of her recently, uh, about you know 2016, when uh, people kept saying that Hillary Clinton was the first woman to run for president. She yeah. was not. Oh. Victoria Woodhull was. Oh, okay. So, Victoria Woodhull was born September 23rd,
1: 1838,
0: mm-hmm. uh, in Homer, Ohio, as the seventh of ten children. She was uh, born Victoria, California, Claflin. Okay. Her mother was illiterate and her father was a con man and snake oil
1: salesman. That's why he named her California. Because he was like, Maybe if I name her California, I can get the state.
0: Maybe. I mean he named one of the, the youngest daughter's name is Tennessee, so <laughs> he just like he just got he he really didn't want kids. Sort of
1: darted a map.
0: <laughs> yeah. Her her family followed Frank Mesmer and his spiritual movement of mesmerism. Which we'll talk about in a future episode, because it's fucking dope. I mean, it involves people like uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, okay. who wrote Sherlock Holmes, and a bunch of crazy people who all believe in like being a medium and reaching out past death. Uh, super, super cool. But she was a spiritualist her entire life. And uh, when she grew older, she ended up becoming closer with her sister, Tennessee, who goes by Tenny. Oh. Uh,
1: she's the only ten I see.
0: <laughs> oh, she probably heard that way too much, and that's why she goes by Tenny.
1: No, no, no she definitely never heard that. That's a new invention.
0: Sure. Yeah, wordplay. <laughs> Brand new thing. We didn't, They didn't have the tech for it back then.
1: They, they never wrote things down, so they never saw like any, like, oh. They didn't have eyeballs, so yeah. they couldn't see words. Eyeballs were invented in 1923 by yep. the great eyeballogist mm-hmm. Henry Vision.
0: Yes, and his son... 20, with his twin, 20. Uh, so Tenny was around seven years younger than Victoria and uh, would actually go on later in life to become her business partner.
1: Nice. but She by, embezzled too, didn't she? No. Oh.
0: By age 11, Victoria had only had three years of formal education and she was forced to leave school and her home because her father had a wonderful idea. mm. He heavily insured the family's home and then burned the the thing called a grits mill, which oh. it was uh, it was rotting. It was like decrepit. Yeah. It's, it's a big grinder for grain that turns into flour. Yeah. He burned it and then tried to collect the insurance for it. And when they looked into it, they're like, this is clearly arson.
1: No, come on. The the, 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 the thing was they're caught like,
0: on like, th- how it's in the middle of that. There's nothing near it. It's clearly arson. And then he was actually run out of town by a group of vigilantes. Uh,
1: insurance fraud—it's always been a—it's always been a thing.
0: Yeah, and then the town held a uh, what they considered a benefit. To they had a fundraiser to raise funds to send the rest of the family out of Ohio. Uh,
1: and That's so, fun.
0: Yeah, so they did, and they went to uh, New York, where uh, Victoria actually, at 14 years old, married. 28-year-old,
1: it's back
0: and forth on whether his name was Canning or Channing, but I like to call him Canning.
1: What? They don't know if his name is Canning or Channing?
0: Yeah, there's a few times that there was an H oh, before. It's weird. Because C A N N I N G. There's Sometimes there's a C-H-A-N-N-I-N-G.
1: <laughs> Strange. Yeah,
0: but Canning Woodhull, who was a doctor uh, from a town outside of Rochester, New York, mm-hmm. she was introduced to him because the family needed his help Solving one of the children's chronic illnesses. And actually, by some accounts, he like abducted her to marry her. Uh, That's what you did back then. I guess. Uh, they were married on November 20th, 1853, two months after her 15th birthday. Now, it turns out that Canning was a obviously piece of shit. Uh, he was an alcoholic womanizer, what? but they still had two kids together. Oh. Byron and Zulu who then later Americanized her name to Zula. Okay. Byron was born with a intellectual disability in 1854, which Victoria blamed on Canning's alcoholism. Probably. But there are other
1: versions
0: that blame Victoria for letting Byron fall out of a window.
1: Oh, that's not good.
0: Yeah, so, it, you know, it's back and forth.
1: Either way, you cut it.
0: Either way, they were divorced. They got divorced. And in 1866... She remarried to Colonel James Harvey Blood. Oh. Who was on his second marriage after he was done serving in the Civil War, and he was elected to be the city auditor of St. Louis. Oh. Uh, now, from this time on, Victoria Woodhull openly would like do speeches and write pieces about this. She supported what she called free love, which she defined as a woman's right to leave an unbearable marriage with divorce. Right. To like, be like the fact that, like oh... You know, he beats me all the time and cheats on me constantly and has seven well known mistresses. Like, that wasn't a reason for divorce back then.
1: Uh, These women with their crazy ideas. They're like, you're just unhappy. Deal with it. (laughs) Like the rest of us. And then, as soon as the man is like,
0: as soon as the man was like, I'm unhappy, they're like, do you want a divorce? Uh, So she she actually made a major speech in 1871 called the Steinway speech because it happened at Steinway Hall in New York City Mm -hmm. where she stated, yes, I am a free lover. I have an inalienable constitutional and natural right to love whom I may, to love as long or as short a period as I can, to change that I love every day if I please. And with that right, neither you nor any law can frame can frame have any right to interfere.
1: Wow, she's 100 years ahead of her time.
0: Mm-hmm. She uh, railed against the hypocrisy of society, tolerating married men, having known mistresses, and engaging in other sexual, like, you know, dilliances. Ooh. And uh, in 1872, she actually, because uh, she had a newspaper, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going uh, to skip to a step down, and then I'll get back to that. Okay. Uh, because she, uh, in 1870, Victoria and Tenney mm-hmm. opened a brokerage firm on Wall Street. Oh, making them the very first female stockbrokers in history. Oh wow! And the company was called Woodhull, Claflin and Company. They How'd were it go. Phenomenally well. Oh. They were helped because uh, Cornel- Cornelius Vanderbilt. Uh, admired Victoria Woodhull's skills as a medium through, uh, they had known each other through mesmerism. Right. And also, he supposedly was Tenny's secret lover and possibly was going to marry her, but, oh. but died too soon.
1: But what happened to the colonel or the general or whatever?
0: No, she's still married to Victoria. Cornelius okay. was fucking with Tenny. Oh, the right. His sister. Uh, well, they made a fortune on the New York Stock Exchange. Because they advised Vanderbilt and his friends, mm-hmm. and there was one occasion where she told Vanderbilt to sell his shares short for a hundred fifty cents per stock, which he like followed to the letter. And because he did that, he earned millions. Nice. on that one deal. And so they were like regaled in the newspapers. They were called the Queens of Finance, the Bewitching Brokers. Uh, really
1: sucks for that guy that that, that he shorted. I know, right? (laughs) It's like, here's your worthless stocks back. Yeah. Thanks. Uh. (laughs) Uh,
0: So the the
1: sisters, they took
0: the money they made, and they founded a weekly newspaper that they ran from, I want to say, around 1870 to 1876, which primarily focused on feminism. Mm -hmm. It became notorious for publishing controversial opinions on taboo topics, such Mm -hmm. as advocating for sex education free love women's suffrage short skirts spiritualism vegetarianism toilet and, paper and licensed prostitution
1: oh that's still uh that's still a taboo mm-hmm. everything else is pretty much
0: uh uh because still Vic- taboo. victoria she she made a great point she was saying that uh she felt that uh illegal prostitution is wrong and should be there should be a legal way to, pro- to be a prostitute because yeah. she considered people that marry for material gain to be prostitutes.
1: It's, tr- it's true. Right? Gold diggers.
0: Yeah, that's what she considered them to be. Um, but it's, uh, the, the, the newspaper itself is actually known for being the very first paper to print an English version of Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto they they printed it on uh, December 30th 1871
1: damn talk about taboo now in
0: 1872 they set off a national scandal where uh this outspoken preacher from Brooklyn who had like pushed back against uh woodhull and her whole free love and like women have the right to be happy yeah, kind men's of thing. rights uh she found out that he was having an affair with one of his like with one of the people in his parish and so she started doing like national exposés on that and he ended up going to court for adultery at some point but uh woodhole so so victoria tenny and colonel blood were all arrested and charged with publishing an obscene newspaper and circulating it with federal assistance through the USPS. Oh, jeez. So they're held for around six months until they get off of the technicality.
1: Yeah, because it's America?
0: <laughs> yeah. And major feminists of the day actually didn't like her that much. No, they wouldn't. The Susan B. Anthony d- openly disagreed with her tactics for pushing for equality. They said that she was too opportunistic and unpredictable. Mm-hmm. But Woodhull... She she learned how to inf- infiltrate the all-male domain of national politics, and she actually arranged for herself to testify on women's suffrage before the House Judiciary Committee. And in this, she actually swayed a lot of opinions yeah. because she argued that women already had the right to vote since the 14th and 15th Amendments guaranteed the protection of that right for all citizens. Yeah. She said that they just had what they had was no ability to use their right to vote.
1: Um, and what the people, uh, what the senators and congresspeople of the time say? They, I mean, they were they were swayed by her opinion, but they
0: didn't change any of the laws.
1: Yeah, they're like, we respect that you're a businesswoman, and you you make money and you're doing your thing, but uh, yeah, we're not gonna do anything. <laughs> like, come on, women voting. What are we gonna have next? Women running for president?
0: Well, and then on April second, eighteen seventy, Victoria Woodhull announced her candidacy for president.
1: Oh, that really by, ruffled some feathers, I imagine.
0: Well, she announced it by writing an open letter to the editor of the New York Herald. Uh, she was nominated by a newly formed party, which was called the Equal Rights Party. Uh, that was they they nominated her officially at their convention, uh, June sixth, eighteen seventy-two. Which is the first time officially that a woman has ever been a candidate for president. Wow. Um, she was obviously knew how to get attention. She yeah. She she ran a newspaper, and she nominated Frederick Douglass as her vice presidential candidate. Um, even though he did not take part in the convention, or no, <laughs> acknowledged the nomination. <laughs> did or he at least know about it? Take any kind of role in campaigning. Um I don't know if he even knew about it. <laughs> I don't know. She I think I think it was I think it was for publicity. Yeah, no, um, definitely.
1: That's uh, ruffle more feathers.
0: But remember that she got arrested? Right. That happened about like two weeks before the election that she was a part of. Oh, crony fucking capitalism. Mm-hmm. And so she was held for six months during, while people were voting. So she couldn't even vote for herself. Wow. Even though she couldn't vote to
1: begin with. And And women couldn't vote for her.
0: And technically, she wouldn't have even been old enough to be president constitutionally. She was was 34 and would have been 35 like a few months. She would have been 35 a few months after she would have gotten uh, sworn in. Yeah. But either way, I mean, she won zero electoral votes. Damn. Um, There was only one person who voted for her and it was a guy who even in the he uh even stated that he was just doing it to uh take away one vote from grant
1: uh sucks
0: <laughs> yeah i mean she tried again to gain nominations in 1884 and 1892 but never could probably because uh she divorced again in 1876 and then after vanderbilt cornelius vanderbilt died in 1877 His oldest son, who was set to inherit his dad's entire fortune,
1: Mm.
0: paid Victoria and Tenney $1,000 each to leave the country because he didn't want... That's around like $25,000 today. Oh, that's pretty good. Because he didn't want them in the... They didn't know this, but he didn't want them in the country to be able to testify at at the, the hearings on how his father's estate should be split up.
1: Yeah, you would probably want to take out the major competitor that mm-hmm. would uh, stop you from inheriting millions of dollars, and probably they would have gotten it.
0: Yeah, most likely. Yeah,
1: because because it was at like
0: almost his wife. Yeah. Uh, so they leave and move to uh, Great Britain in 1877, which Are they still is probably. Stock broken? No, oh. they're they're now uh, uh, publishing. Oh right right right. Yeah, which you know. It's, it's probably why she couldn't really gain any nominations for the President of America in 1884 or 1892 wow. is because from 1877 till her death, she lived in the UK.
1: The GB, Great Britain.
0: The JB.
1: GB. GB. And so she,
0: uh, in 1883, married for a third and final time a banker named uh, John Martin. His okay. middle name is like Bidulph.
1: Oh, yeah, I was John Bedolf Martin. I was about to say this name doesn't sound very British.
0: John Bedolf Martin
1: Bidolf more than he could chew. I tell you what,
0: <laughs>
1: it's a clever wordplay. Do you see
0: now? Uh, when John Martin died in about 14 years after that, in 1897, because she was just publishing newspapers throughout throughout the UK during that time. Once he died, she quit publishing, and. Uh, moved to uh, Worcestershire, which is like a little and started a, a village school. She started that's like where a,
1: the sauce comes from. hmm
0: Oh wow. Uh, she started a village school with uh, Tenny and Zula and actually became well known in the UK for championing education reform at these like very rural village schools. Oh. And she even added kindergarten to their curriculum.
1: Wow. Mm hmm. A German word.
0: She died in nineteen twenty seven at age eighty-eight, and I believe she is the most interesting woman on our list. But what do you think, Michael?
1: Uh she's definitely very interesting. Uh there's a lot of women's stuff I gotta think about. Is it women's month?
0: No. I don't think it needs to be women's month to put up an episode about badass broads of history.
1: Okay, fucking MSNBC. Whoa. That is coming, hate speech. Coming at don't me call like me that. that.
0: By the way, uh, for anyone who's still listening, just (laughs) a small factoid for you. Uh, If you don't know by now, the reason that the Republican Party and the entire right wing continually say that all of the riots and protests are done by Antifa is because Antifa is technically a terrorist organization, which means that if that is done by them, the businesses have a lot harder of a time getting their insurance
1: money. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Because not
0: many people are insured for terrorist attacks. We are. So that's a little factoid for you. In case you were wondering why they keep calling everyone Antifa, it's because Antifa is technically a terrorist group in the eyes of the government, and it helps them really fuck a lot of people out of money.
1: That's what our government does best.
0: Yep. So stay vigilant, stay <laughs> wild, and uh, stay tuned. We're going to have some badass shit coming out in the next uh, few months. Is insane clown posse? Still considered
1: a terrorist uh, organization? Yes. So watch out. Lock your doors for ICP, too. It, as soon as Antifa's gone, yeah, they're the, going to be the, the next. juggalos one. are coming back. Oh, all these juggalos causing riots and fires Starting and hurricanes. Political discord. I mean, I'm not. Insurrection. Vote what? for me. <laughs> vote for me,
0: your king. As he said yesterday. I don't think science knows. Yeah. So, I love you all. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.
1: Thanks for listening, you fuckers. Oh, I love you. Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. I guess if you want
0: to. Subscribe
1: and die. Or die.
0: Okay.